Hello, Bettys. Welcome to the show. Before we get to our guest today, I just wanted to let you know that we have such an epic list of guests coming up in March. We are talking about menopause. We're talking about autoimmunity. We're talking about muscle building. We're talking about recovery practices. And I don't want you to miss any of it. Even if you are listening to the podcast, you may not necessarily be subscribed. So you're going to have to manually go into your podcast app and press play. I would love for you to hit that subscribe button so that you are getting the podcast as they are released. It's going to make me oh so happy to know that you are a subscriber of the pod. You are officially a Betty in the Bettyverse. And of course, you are never going to miss an episode and be the first to know when it drops. Thank you so much. Wear the damn bikini because, and I've done this myself for years where I'm like, you know what? I'll only wear, I just, I need to lose like another five pounds or I just like, I need to just slim down my stomach a little bit or uh, there's a little bit too much cellulite on the back of my thigh. So I'm just gonna, like, I'll just wear shorts today or I'll just wear like, uh, for me, it's leggings. Like I'll just wear leggings. I don't know if it's just this pandemic where we've been at home and I'm like, you know what? F this, like I am just going to wear the damn bikini and I'm going to be happy in it. Welcome back to The Better Podcast with yours truly, Dr. Stephanie Estima. This show is for high-performing women who want better bodies, better minds, better relationships, better sex, and better families, and want to hear from a woman that can take the complex science and make it easy to integrate into everyday life. Every week, I'll be giving you access to world-class scientists, medical doctors, plastic surgeons, professional athletes, Olympic gold medalists, Hollywood actors, parenting coaches, sex experts, and psychologists. I am always looking to answer this question. What are the simplest things that we can do today to get better tomorrow? I am part geek, part magic, and it is my mission to be the voice for women. Let's get better together. Welcome, everyone. This is AMA number seven, and I am joined by my best friend, my partner in crime, Miss Steffi Major. Welcome back. I am so happy that we're recording this because we started to run into a problem where we were accumulating so many things to talk about on the podcast. I mean, it's a good problem to have, but our list is long. It's long. And we actually, we had to cut some stuff, which we're going to have to sort of roll into some later podcasts, but yeah. Yeah. I am a huge fan of the Bio Optimizers Magnesium Breakthrough. It has seven forms of magnesium, which is going to help to transform your stress and your performance and your recovery and your sleep to the next level. I'm often asked like, well, what are the types of magnesium we should be looking for? So there's magnesium chelate and citrate and bisglycinate and malate, sucrosomial, taurate and orotate. They have various effects on the body. Bisglycinate, probably the most bioavailable and most absorbable. Malate, it's found naturally in fruits, helps with migraines. Chronic pain has been shown to help improve depression. Magnesium citrate uh, helps with arterial stiffness. It helps with maintaining a healthy weight. Magnesium chelate is important for muscle building, recovery and health, the list goes on and on. You're basically getting them all in one supplement. Each supplement itself is 500 milligrams of magnesium, which I feel is such a great dosage as a great baseline for most women. I have found a beautiful medium of actually cycling my magnesium. So I actually will take one or two of these. So I'm either getting 500 milligrams or up to a gram of magnesium, depending on where I am 
in my cycle. So head on over to biooptimizers.com forward slash better and use code better for 10% off of any order, but make sure that the magnesium breakthrough is in your cart. Don't be fooled by the frigid temperatures. Keeping hydrated in the wintertime is super important. In colder temperatures, we sweat more due to a higher metabolic demand of trying to maintain a core body temperature. We lose more fluids and electrolytes through our urine. We lose more water through respiration and just general breathing. And our skin dries out in the wintertime as well. We are a ski family, and over this winter, we have been using Elementee's Chocolate Medley. The chocolate chai is absolutely incredible with some boiling water, a splash of milk. And my kids love the chocolate mint with some hot water. This is our apres-ski. We cozy up with Element Hot After Hours on our cross-country trails. Now, for a limited time, you too can get the Element Tea Chocolate Medley and enjoy them hot, as I have been doing, with this exclusive insider bundle for you. When you buy three boxes of any flavor, it doesn't have to be the chocolate, it can be any of the flavors that they offer, you are going to get the fourth box free. If you head over to drinkelement.com forward slash Dr. Estima, you'll see that exclusive offer at the bottom of the page. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash D-R-E-S-T-I-M-A. And tell me which of the chocolate, Melody, you love the best. So I would love to start the podcast with congratulating you. Um, I know we have a lot of new listeners right now. I watch the stats for the podcast. We've seen amazing exponential growth in the podcast. So they might not know all the players in our, in our life, but you have a beautiful life partner. His name is Giovanni. And last week, two weeks ago, it was June 30th. Yeah, June 30th. That would be three weeks, three weeks, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. He he put a ring on it. And he you liked said it. yes. <laughs> <laughs> he liked it, so he put a ring on it. Yeah. He liked it. He's like, I want this forever, always. And um, your engagement story is really beautiful. Your relationship is really beautiful. And I want to tease the audience with we're gonna we're gonna debrief, we're gonna talk about it all probably on the next AMA. I want to ask my own questions to you about, you know, the signs that you knew that he was someone that you wanted to commit to. I I value your relationship so much and I would love to just do a deep discussion on it, but I want to start with congratulating you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I'm, uh, and I'll say this, like, I already feel like our souls have been entwined and married Mm -hmm. for a long time. And this was just, um, you know, making it official. So yeah, I'm happy to go into the story. Happy to share it with our Bettys, with our with better our listeners. Betty. With our Bettys. Yeah. You guys I don't may know not if have... they know. Do they know that we call them that? <laughs> <laughs> so actually, I should probably explain that because that's in the intro of Geeky Magic. I'm like, hey, yeah. Bettys. So we were, um, how did we start calling them Bettys? We were like, look at our Bettys. Like, look at our numbers. Look at I don't all the know. Like, we're getting. I think we've come up with, like, I've tried a few different things. I was like, the betterers, the best, the betty, the betterers, betty best, or, yeah. And then I was like, oh, we were on a call about something else, and it just popped out of my mind, and I was Betty's. And actually, Gio was in the other room, and I think he popped out of his chair and uh, googled Urban Dictionary and looked up Betty's. Oh, and, I'm gonna put the Urban Dictionary definition oh. of a Betty in these show notes, and if you you are a Betty, if 
and then just read the definition because I actually think that we unintentionally named our people the absolute perfect avatar. It's like the triple threat. Yeah. She's mad, like she's intelligent, she's feminine, she's confident. It's like, yes, these are our Bettys. So. Oh, it's so spot on. It was just like the divine universe all coming together. So we are best Bettys. You guys are our best Bettys. And <laughs> <Best> Bettys. <laughs> speaking of women that are triple threats, that are beautiful, that are intelligent, that are loving, we, well, you hosted a beautiful um, event a couple weeks ago. We had a full moon circle. Oh, yes. Mm. Yeah, did we did. Think? We did our first... And I can't remember, we were, you and I were, we were talking about the moon. We were talking about all the different things and I can't, it doesn't matter who, like, it was just like, it was let's you. do it. It was for sure you. You're like, I am having a full moon circle. It's like, perfect. I know exactly who we should invite and what we, we should do. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so we had people over, we invited, um, there's one woman, um, who listens to the podcast and she's just like, she was a patient of mine at the clinic, Sharon. I just love this woman so much. Mm -hmm. She's probably listening right now, but Sharon, we all love you. Mm -hmm. We had to have her. She is this like glorious, glamorous woman who I just aspire to become oh. more of. Like she and the story she tells and I was like, you know, she's wonderful. And then we invited a, a couple of other special women who we thought would be really receptive to the idea of a full moon circle. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have struggled my whole life, really honestly, before I've met you, um, with friend, with female friends in particular, we've talked about this on, I think it was the last yeah. AMA or two yeah. AMAs yeah. before. And I was like, you know, I actually feel like I want to stop repelling people and actually bring them into and my life. Invite them into? <laughs> and let them in and let them in and see my, you know, see, and, and even, you know, without any expectation, right? Without any, any expectation of the outcome, just say, I am ready to allow some awesome women into my life. So um, we invited, how many were there? Was there like five, six women we ended up having? Yeah, me, I think we were probably seven. Seven, seven women. And then last minute we invite a special guest, Sharon, Giovanni. <laughs> actually, I, so just for the record, I did not invite Giovanni. I was like, this is going to be a woman only thing. We are going to estrogen the F out of this house. And so Sharon was talking to him because I don't think Giovanni and Sharon met. Mm -hmm. And so they had this whole great conversation sort of at you know, one end of the kitchen. And, and she's like, you know what, Giovanni, you should join this circle. <laughs> Yeah. And then and it like, was I'm sorry, is it okay that I'm inviting him? I'm like, yeah, of course. Like, of course it is. Mm -hmm. So what we did for this, um, it was the full moon. Mm -hmm. And what we did was prior to everybody coming over, I said, why don't you write down a couple of things that you are going to release? So stories that no longer serve you, thoughts that no longer serve you, behaviors that no longer serve you, write them out. And then we will put them in a big, um, uh, fire safe, you know, bowl in the middle of the table and we're going to burn it, uh, like symbolically going to burn it. So we, and then the other thing I wanted everybody to do was in addition to writing all the things that you're letting go, now you have all this room to call in what it is that you really want. So calling in, maybe it's a, maybe it's a partner, maybe it's, you know, the business, maybe it's friendship, maybe it's how you feel about yourself, you know, all the different parameters that are important to you, what you're going to, what you're going to let in. So we had this beautiful ceremony where 
And and there's something really special. So we set my table and my kitchen is a is a is a circle. Circle. Uh, so we were gonna we were gonna just do it in the backyard, like sitting in a circle. Mm-hmm. But there's something really powerful about the strength of sitting in a circle. Um, I don't think it would have been the same if we were sitting at a dining table that was like a rectangle, you know, like no. we could all see each other. Yeah. There's safety in the circle. So we were talking about uh, all the things that we were going to let go, like past traumas, uh, all, all the things, burned, burned that stuff down. And then the things that we were letting in, it was so, you know, and everyone's in different parts of their life, different mm-hmm. stages. And it was so... I keep having this reinforcing message. We are all so alike. We are all so much more alike. Yeah. Yeah, Then we are different. So we had that. I'm getting chills just thinking about it. And what was really beautiful is everyone was so trusting and very intimate with the things that they were releasing and calling in. Like everyone took it really seriously and shared the things that they honestly wanted to release and call in, which which made it very sacred and um, just really, it was a very special, very special day. And I love how we even each took the time to, to stand up, to stand mm. up and re- call, yeah. like call those things in, read them out loud. And yeah, something about having people from different backgrounds, different ages, different relationship status, just like that difference yet the same all together for the same purpose was really, really just very impactful and something that I want to do over and over and over again. Yes. Yes. I want to do it over and over. I think it is so powerful. Um, so we were talking about the new moon. I'm like, okay, so we're going to meet every two weeks, <laughs> one for the new moon and one for the fun. No, we might just do, we might just continue to do the monthly. Um, and then, you know, if there's, I don't know. I just feel like it's such a powerful thing for uh, females. And so many of the women, we're so strong in our own way. And there's something mm-hmm. so beautiful around, it's almost like a trust fall. You know, it's like, I feel safe here. I know that these women have me. And, you know, some of them, like I had met Julia uh, mm-hmm. for the first time. I'd never met her before. Yeah. Um, but still, she, it was so lovely to have women all with the same intention. Um, uh, coming over and doing that. So I, I, I'm really looking forward to the next one. It was really, really, really awesome. And we drank your chocolate, your keto oh, yes. cocoa out of your beautiful tiny little cups that you had just been talking about every single day until, <laughs> until the circle happened. I was convinced that we were all going to share one chalice, chalice. and we Can were going to pass COVID? the chalice around <laughs> with chocolate. And I was like, I'm going to make this like ancient Mexican, like the chocolate and chili recipe. And we are going to call in, you know, our foremothers and we're going to mm-hmm. talk to them. But, um, you know, we didn't do the, we didn't do the single chalice. Everyone got, everyone had their own little, um, champagne flute to have the chocolate. Yeah. And, and people brought poems and stories oh. and read them at, like at the perfect time. And it all weaved together. And, um, our friend Tia, she did some sex magic, sex, some sex, sex magic. magic. She yeah. guided us through this meditation that, I found really interesting because when you think of sex, you think, I always think of whatever common, beautiful combination you can have, man, woman, uh, woman, woman, man, man, multiple, whatever. But 
it was really interesting to feel that sexual energy in a room of people, but yet not interacting with them and not, yeah, it was really, there's just, um, there's more purpose to that energy than it is just to procreate or just to have an experience with a partner. And she really brought us through all the chakras and built it up and oh my we released gosh. it through our crowns. And it was incredible. Yeah. I was so I was I was turned on in such a different way. So yeah. like what you're what you were describing, like and we were kind of sharing afterwards what we were doing. And it was almost like we were all adding this like sexual energy to this big bonfire in the middle. Like I was so mm-hmm. like my whole body felt like it was pulsing and like throbbing and it was really um, like I talk about this in terms of creating, like, you know, getting into your ovaries and like cultivating this big ovary energy. But what she did was she was able to get into the root and the sacral chakra, start moving those energies around. And then it, you were right. Like she guided us through each of the different chakras and then out, um, out through the top, out through the it's crown chakras. The crown, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, it was lovely. I loved it. Mm-hmm. So I know you're wearing clothes right now today. <laughs> Lately, I've only been seeing you in your bikini. <laughs> let's talk about the bikini. Okay. Let's talk about the bikini because mm-hmm. I did a post uh, on Instagram. I, I want to say it's like a week or two ago now. Mm-hmm. And the title of the post was Wear the Damn Bikini because, and I've done this myself for years where I'm like, you know what? I'll only wear, I just, I need to lose like another five pounds or I just like, I need to just slim down my stomach a little bit or uh, there's a little bit too much cellulite on the back of my thigh. So I'm just gonna, like, I'll just wear shorts today or I'll just wear like, uh, for me, it's leggings. Like I'll just wear leggings today. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just this pandemic where we've been at home and I'm like, you know what? F this, like, I am just gonna wear the damn bikini and I'm gonna be, happy in it. So instead of like mummifying my breasts every day by wearing these like, you know, restrictive uh, bras or sports bras mm-hmm. or whatever, I'm just going to, they're you know, they're going to be in a bikini top. So, you know, very minimal support. And like, you know, I'm president of the itty bitty titty committee. So it's not like, you know, like they're, they're little teeny little things. So I can like kind of go around with that. Uh, yeah. Depends with how, tight you t- how tight you do the straps, but... Yes. <laughs> Oh, that's true too. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm just going to wear the bikini bottom and I kind of go through like with the kids, I'll have, you know, like a little cover up on or whatever. But what I've actually noticed is I have a better sense of how I'm feeling the less clothes I wear. And I know that that sounds crazy, but after no, a meal, after mm. a meal, I'm like, okay, no, I'm full. Like I, I have a better sense of when I'm starting to feel a little distension in my stomach versus when I'm wearing like compressive tights and everything's kind of still being sucked in anyway. Like I can kind of feel when I'm full and I actually love feeling my body move as I'm, you know, kind of walking through the house or going outside in the back and... I'm doing my grounding now. You'll be very proud to know I sit in the grass now. I'm not scared of the bugs as much. I'm still scared, but not quite as much. I think it helps with posture too, right? If you have a, like, if I'm just in like my sweats and slouchy t-shirt, I'm not thinking about my posture, or holding things tighter, or or how I'm how I'm sitting. But if you're in a bikini or less clothing, I think it's just natural to maybe hold yourself straighter and. Um, yeah, I, there's just something really special 
about wearing a bikini and also letting go of the, oh, at this age, women don't wear this anymore. Right. Oh, that's a big one too. And that's the sophistication of the inner critic, right? And we had one of the girls in our, uh, one of the women, I should say, uh, in our Estima diet really took this to heart. So shout out to Maxine, who is just like, she's like a super, super phenomenal woman. And I can't recall how old she is. She's, um, she's around our age. I don't know. I don't Mm. know exactly what, it doesn't matter. But Mm. she's like, you know what? Every time I go, you know, on vacation somewhere, I feel like I can't wear the bikini. I always wear the full piece plus the cover up or whatever. And she's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to wear the bikini. And she's been in our, uh, the Estima diet now for, I think she's probably one of the early adopters. She's been in there for years now. Mm -hmm. And she looks incredible and she feels even better, which is actually the point, you know, it's actually like for you to feel good in your skin is actually the point of the Estima diet. I guess it's people come to it for weight loss and all that, but she, which is great as well, getting metabolically healthy, but she feels good in her skin, which is the whole point. So it's just a note to like our inner critics because they get so sophisticated with time. I mean, I was doing an Instagram story about like, how scared I was to start the solo episodes on my own, like to not even have you, like my wing woman, to like yeah. hold my hand through this. And you're, you're even, you know, if however much weight you lose, your inner critic is always just going to change the target a little bit. Like, oh yeah, you lost 10 pounds, but you really need to lose like three more. You know, oh yeah, you lost 10 pounds, but like your cellulite, like what are we going to do about that? You know, so your, your inner critic really does... Uh, morph with time. So you just always have to be aware of that story or those types of messaging that you are giving yourself. And like it's summertime, it's been a really hard year, you know, emotionally for people, physically, uh, for people financially, like wear the damn bikini, get some actual sunlight. Yeah. And Um, if you feel good that day and you're feeling confident, celebrate it. Don't, don't wait. Like just do it that day because, you know, the inner critic does come back or you do have a more bloated day. But if it's a day that you're feeling confident and you're wearing, just like wear the bikini that day, wear the dress that is a little lower cut, like wear what you want. Like life is so short. We have now more than ever. I'm just like, I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. Yes. So yes. Mm-hmm. don't wait. And, and we're so much harder on ourselves than other people towards us. That's so true. We notice all these weird little nitpicky, silly little things. And we're, you know, we're chastising ourselves in our head. We're focusing on them when really the people who love us are just looking at us, you know, there's Maxine, the beautiful goddess in all her glory, wearing her bikini. That's we are how we view. At, like we look at people like that emoji with the heart coming out of our, you know, like I, when I look at you yeah. or I look at Maxine, like I'm literally that emoji with like the two hearts on the eyes. Mm-hmm. But what we see is like, oh, this is not right. And this is a little bit here. And we have a little goop of fat here and whatever, whatever. And it's like, yeah, if there's anything that this whole pandemic has taught me, it's like, let go of those things. They don't matter. They don't matter. Like wear the damn bikini. So I don't know how that lands with, uh, you, Betty, the listener, but um, I, I hope that it, I hope that in some way it inspires you to just accept more of who you are, wherever you are right now. And mm-hmm. if you do need to, you know, if you do need to lose weight, if you do need to improve your metabolic flexibility, do that too. Right. But also celebrate where you are 
right now. Like all the things that you and your body have gone through, that you have survived, that you have thrived through. You know, if you have children, like your body produced people. Like you're like I still look at my kids. I'm like I made you guys. Like I made you things. Um, your body is is a, is a temple to be uh, revered and worshipped, and I think one of the ways that you can worship your body is to honor how she looks right now. So that sophisticated inner critic of yours, how has it been lately? How do you push through those moments? What have, what are you learning about it? What what is your what is your inner critic secret? Because I know you did record the solo podcast and they're out there now and they come out on Thursdays and they're fantastic. So what was that last little like push through? So my first um, strategy was to avoid it (laughs) and to punt the task to next week for several weeks at a time. And I was like, oh, I'm too busy. So I was was completely listening to her. Um, At some point I said, okay, I don't have to, like, this is not live. So I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to record it. I'm going to listen to it. And if I hate it, then I can say, okay, I'm just not good at solo podcast. Like, I'm just, this is just not for me. So mm-hmm. I did one. Um, it's actually the one that's coming out this week. And I sent it over to you. And I was like, please listen. Please be a savage. Tell me if it's terrible. Yeah. I was like, I'm in meetings right now. You're like, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, so obviously you haven't have listened to it yet. Me like- five minutes. <laughs> So you hate it. I get it. I'm deleting it. I'm going to delete my life. I'm moving to France. And <laughs> but uh, so I had you listen to it. I had Giovanni uh, listen to it because you will always tell me like, I know even though he's my partner, he will always give me an unbiased, like you need to do this or this, this is not where it should be. Oh, I love that. I love that about him. It's never just pumping your tires. It's always protection. It's like praise yeah. you when something's really great, but then but then giving you honest feedback whenever. So I, I trust him with anything. So if he's saying it's great, I know that it gives you, gives you that extra boost too. Yeah. So I recorded the first one. I got some good feedback from, you know, my inner, inner circle. So you and Giovanni Mm -hmm. gave me feedback and then I was like, okay, so I'll just do another one and I'll see how that one goes. And I don't have to record this one either. So the, the, I took the pressure off of needing for it to be perfect because that's something that I all, I'm always like, God, it has to be perfect. I got to help people. I got to, I got to, got to, got to. I should, 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 should. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just sort of was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to see how, what comes, see if I can get into that flow state that I really, whenever I'm talking on stages and stuff, I, get in, I can't ever remember what I said. And right. that's usually a good sign. That's usually a sign that I tapped into something and was able to channel uh, and deliver. So I did, I did that with, um, I can't remember which episode it was now, but I uh, did that with one of them. And then I was like, okay, I'll do, I'll do two more. I'll do for the whole month of July. Like I'll do, you know, four that will be enough for uh, the month of July and have gotten really, really great uh, feedback. And I actually was very honest and open on Instagram. I'm like, okay, so the first one's out and this is like my struggle. And I had a lot of people actually you know, private message me saying, you know, I love the interviews. Like the interviews have been so helpful, but I actually only listen to the parts where you talk. I actually want to know how you think about things. And I was like, oh my God, what? Really? So there was a couple of comments like that. And, um, and I don't, I don't share that to, to sound like I'm bragging or to sound, Mm. you know, to come off as arrogant or, or whatnot, but it was really, really, um, 
it was really lovely to hear that. And I said, okay, so I can, I can do a little bit more. And then I remembered all the times that I've been on stage and the feedback that I've received or, you know, when you and I used to go to corporate, uh, we used to go to corporations and we would talk about posture and we talk about the spine and we talk about all the different things that I would really, or like nutrition, um, all the good feedback that we would get that people are just yeah. not getting. I mean, just, we released, um, this episode's coming out next week. We, mm-hmm. this week we have, um, my dear colleague, uh, Dr. Afruz on the podcast mm-hmm. and we're having people comment, like, I've never heard that breast tenderness is abnormal. Like, what do you mean? Isn't that, isn't that, and it's like, yeah. well, it's common. It's not normal. So I'm actually going to do one of the geeky magics on, uh, on breast tenderness, what it means and how we can help fix it. So Lots of good things coming out of it. Yeah. You know, there's something that you've been doing lately and I don't know if you're aware of it, but, and I, I picked up on it from a discussion we had yesterday, but also what you were saying about your inner critic. I think you're starting to ask yourself really good questions. So when I heard you say that you were procrastinating, I think what I heard you ask yourself was why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. And then once you were aware of, the procrastination and why you were doing it, you were able to push through. And yesterday you and I were having a discussion and we won't go into too many details, but we have, we both have a, a person in common that triggers us, triggers us, (laughs) (laughs) irks us a little bit. And, um, uh, I had one of those moments and you and I were talking about it and you were asking such good questions. And it really just shifted my mindset and my perspective. And the best question is why? Mm -hmm. What is it about this behavior that causes this reaction? What are we seeing about ourselves in this other person that has us feeling this way? So I'm seeing all your questions. I think they're so great. And I think that being curious is such a powerful, powerful thing to be. And I think that's so true in the current environment as well. I think that it's to be curious and say, okay, what is it about someone's behavior, someone's comment on social media, someone's, you know, in per, in real life, what is it, what is that activating in me? Is it something that I feel like a characteristic that we share? Is this person reminding me of someone that I'm trying to run away from? Um, I had made a comment uh, the other day on a post. Um, and I used to love, I still do, but I was disappointed by this post, uh, with Ariana Huffington, mm-hmm. put some anti-mask. Um, and I'm not, I wear a mask when I need to, I don't, when I don't, you know, I just sort of like go with whatever is needed. But, um, it was this like, you know, stare at yourself. Here's a mirror for you to stare at yourself or something because you're so self-absorbed. And I said, what is the point of this comment? Yeah. You know, what is the point of this other than to divide us? And, for the most part, people agreed with me. Like I, you know, had posted this thing on her wall or on her, on the, on that picture. And then there were some people that were like, oh, it looks like you need to go stare in the mirror and look at you. You, you know, love to take selfies of yourself and uh, well, you're not a real doctor. And it's like, okay, I guess, I guess all those things, like I am a real doctor. It's just not a medical doctor. Um, there are many different types of doctors. Um, but it was just like, you know, like if you can see me right now on the video, I'm just sort of like brushing my shoulder, like just Mm -hmm. like let it fall off and be like, and if you, if you're not letting it fall off, just be like, why, why is, why does my emotional, why is my nervous system latching onto this little thing? Like why? Um, and I mean, I can even ask myself the same question. Why did I comment on Ariana's 
post. It was like, why are we trying to divide the countries? Like, why are we trying to pit all of ourselves against each other? I mean, that's, maybe that's a different, different podcast altogether, but um, that post activated me. I was like, I think that this is so useless and there's already so much division. Like why someone who I look up to, why are you posting this crap? So anyhow, yeah. Okay. Speaking of questions, great questions. We have some really good ones this week. We got some really good ones. Yeah. And I love this first question because this is something that I've always faked understanding and now I'm going to get the real. (laughs) No idea why I take these, why anybody takes these, but yeah. Sarah, Sarah, I love Sarah. She always, she, you, I, when you have access to an expert and you're using it to ask your questions, like good for you, Sarah, I applaud you because she's always in there in the better community asking questions. So her question this week is, hi again, can you speak to exogenous (laughs) ketones? When, why, why not to use them? Yeah, this is a great question. So good for you, Sarah. Uh, for asking. And we will put in the show notes, I wrote an entire article going through all the geeky magic science on exogenous ketones, but I do want to answer this question fully for you here. So the short answer is I like them. I use them. The caveat is that I, before you use them, before you begin using them on a regular basis, I do like you to be able to produce your own ketone bodies first. So these are called exogenous ketones. I want you to be able to produce your own endogenous ketones, the ones that you already have the capacity to produce first. And I already want you to be metabolically flexible. So what that means is that you have undergone, like in the Estima diet, we have a 28-day protocol where you go into metabot, like you go into nutritional ketosis. You're there for 28 days as you begin to heal and lose weight. So we're restricting your carbohydrates. Uh, and then you start once your you know once your glycogen levels get low enough, your body will then start to move from the glycogen stores in your body to your fat stores, open up the fat stores, break down the triglyceride, which is the, the storage form of um, fat, mm-hmm. and the triglyceride breaks down into three fatty acids and a glycerin uh, backbone. So the fatty acids can now be used as energy, except in the brain kind of an important place, and in your blood, the, uh, the red blood cells. So the fatty acids now have to go through a second pass through the liver to be turned into ketone bodies, which can now be used by the red blood cells um, and the brain. So a couple of reasons why I love them. Um, there's, there's multiple, but the sort of the top you know, three or four for me is that it really helps with your bone health. Now, if you've heard if you've listened to me for more than a minute, I'm always talking about some kind of like metabolic, you know, talking about nutritional ways to improve your bone health and uh, lifestyle ways, exogenous or endogenous uh, ketones, so the ones you produce yourself, um, are going to really help uh, inhibit osteoclastic uh, behavior. So what that means is up until about the age of 25, we have more osteoblastic um, activity, which is the making of new bone. So blastic is like trophic expansion growth. So these little bone cells are making new cells. They, that activity, that blastic activity uh, supersedes the clastic activity. So clastic activity is the process by which uh, bro- bones are broken down. 
after 25, we start to see a very slow shift in the tide where if you are not doing things like eating a carbohydrate appropriate lifestyle, if you're not fasting, if you're not lifting weights, if you're not doing some of the things that are going to maintain your bone density, then we will start to see an increase in the osteoclastic, so the breakdown, osteoclastic activity relative to the osteoblastic. So the density, the quality, and the strength of our bone, if we're not careful, will start to decline. So this is, um, this is really important when we take sort of the long view for aging, particularly for women. Um, over time, this can obviously change the musculoskeletal landscape. Um, balance uh, can change. Muscular strength can change because bone and muscle go along uh, with each other. And of course, bone density is inversely related to fracture risk, meaning that the denser, the heavier, the thicker your bones, if you were to fall, the less likely you are going to endure some sort of damage, like a fracture uh, to the bone. So, you know, we've talked about weightlifting. That's a really great way to uh, reverse or even slow down that process. So is supplementing with ketone bodies. So the main ketone body that we're kind of talking about here is beta-hydroxybutyrate. There are others, but this is sort of the main one that our body produces. And usually when we're looking at an exogenous uh, uh, ketone, it is going to be BOHB as, or beta-hydroxybutyrate um, as well. So we know that BOHB, beta-hydroxybutyrate, has been shown to slow down osteoclastic activity, so slowing down the breakdown of the bone. Um, and this is, um, you know, it, it's also been shown to improve uh, calcium deposition within the bone and improved internal, like the internal cellular matrix of the bone as well. So this is a really big one for me. I love that ketone bodies are also intimately related to bone health. The other reason why I love them, another big reason, is that they will activate certain genes and certain transcription factors that are involved in longevity or involved in a, uh, living a longer life. So in particular, we're talking about uh, FOXO3. So this is uh, a gene that's involved in many, many things. Um, metabolism, reducing oxidative stress. It also plays an important role in stem cell proliferation in the brain. So when we, when we, we, we've had lots of uh, discussion about, we've had lots of brain doctors on here. We've had Dr. Sarah Godfrey, Dr. Dale Bredesen is actually coming back for round two on the podcast really shortly. Um, lots of people, you know, Jim Quick, we've talked about the importance of brain health. And if you can improve stem cell proliferation in the brain, of course, the knock-on effect there is that the brain, we are going to be promoting healthy brain aging and, and helping to maintain the density of the, uh, of the brain over time, which is super, super duper important. The other thing that ketones do is they reduce inflammation. So um, it, it's funny, um, when we think about kids growing up now, is very different major than you and I. Like when we grew up, like I remember is like, you are outside and so the lights come out. Like there's no, you know, it was like, go outside, bike ride around the neighborhood, play with your friends. Mm -hmm. um, and I used to eye roll like when I was a kid and my parents would be like, you know, when I grew up, it was so different. And it's like, now I'm saying the same thing. It's like, you know, that's so different now for you guys. And when we actually look at centenarians are super centenarians. So a centenarian is someone who lives um, over the age of 100. And if you are extra special, you're a super centenarian. So someone who lives over the age of 110, one of the 
one of the hallmarks when we look at their physiology, if we do blood work on them, is they have reduced systemic inflammation. Um, now, of course, inflammation is sort of like a catch-all term, right? You could have right. inflammation from your diet. You could have inflammation from lack of movement. You could have inflammation from unresolved trauma, from toxins in the home. Like there's so many different ways, like an annoying ant, you know, like there can mm-hmm. be so many sources of uh, inflammation, but beta hydroxy butyrate has been shown to reduce some of the um, inflammatory pathways that are associated uh, with aging and also to inhibit inflammatory cytokines. Um, so that's, that's really important. So I love them for those reasons. Um, so my goal, my, you know, in closing, if there's a, you know, closing, in closing my state of the union address here, um, yes on exogenous ketones, First, do it yourself, like get into a state of ketosis, you know, follow the Estima diet um, or join, our, join the program, uh, or you can do it you know, on your own if you feel like you, you can. And, right. um, and then and only then, once you're able to reliably produce your own, which are free, by the way, you don't have to pay mm-hmm. for them, um, then you can start supplementing with exogenous ketones because both endogenous and exogenously sourced ketones have the same. So the osteoclastic inhibition, the FOXO3 activation, reducing the inflammasomes and the inflammatory cytokines, you'll find those with the ones that you buy, that you pay money for, or the ones that you can make yourself. So um, I like them. For someone who's never taken them before, is this a once a day thing? Is it better in the morning? How does the the noob start, start on this? So if the noob has uh, been able to initiate her own or his own uh, state of uh, ketosis, um, then what I typically like to do um, is I actually like to do it in the morning because it all, like it upregulates BDNF. It does all these other things as well. So it really gives you, if you're doing some, if you're doing a workout, what I have found, and I typically work out in the morning, is if I take some exogenous ketones, call it... Uh, you know, 30 minutes to 45 minutes before I work out, I am Wonder Woman. Like I can lift up like tires and you know, like I feel like I can do anything. I'm so strong. So I really like it right before a workout. A lot. I have not been able to find a product yet that does not have some sort of caffeine in it. So I also like it in the morning because you are going to also use up uh, a get rid of some of the caffeine as well. So if you're taking it later in the day, you may find that it has a bit more of a stimulatory effect. And then it also can have the potential to affect your sleep because we know that caffeine uh, binds the adenosine receptor sites and inactivates them. So adenosine, when we're thinking about sleep, adenosine is this um, uh, hormone that is involved in like grogginess. So we sort of have adenosine buildup all through the day. But if you have too much caffeine, you can't actually build up that sleep pressure. You can't build up that groggy feeling. So I like anything with caffeine, anything that's more stimulatory. I like to take it in the morning and then just have a you know late morning cutoff. Do, do they affect your ketosis at all? Is it a method to get deeper into ketosis? Is it a, is it a boost? Like how, how does it work um, in that way? Yeah. So if you were to measure pre and post supplementation, uh, you will see that you will have increased ketone bodies uh, in the blood. So it is, I guess, it is technically improving your ketosis. However, always remember that it is um, 
I don't want to call it fake, <laughs> right. but it's, it's kind of fake, right? It's kind of a faker. It's a mm-hmm. fake state of deeper ketosis. You're not really in a deeper state of ketosis because you're taking more. Yeah. Um, I mean, you are, you are, but you're not. So um, it's sort of like a kind of, the answer is kind of. <laughs> Got it. I am incredibly bullish on sauna as a therapy for recovery, heart health, and overall aging well. I personally decided on an infrared sauna from Sunlighten because of the range of far wavelengths and near infrared wavelengths that it offers. Saunas help with detoxification and rejuvenation to rid your body of toxins. It helps with heart health by improving circulation, reducing blood pressure, and helping keep the arteries supple. It helps with muscle recovery by easing the tension and soreness to recover faster. And of course, stress reduction with the warmth and the relaxation of sitting in a sauna. It's crucial for hormonal balance and achieving a state of well-being necessary for a strong physique and a strong mind. If you visit sunlighten.com slash better and use code better to get a discount. That is sunlighten, S-U-N-L-I-G-H-T-E-N.com slash B-E-T-T-E-R and use code better at checkout. Okay, moving on to our next one from Don. Don, thank you for giving us your question Best nutrition, mind-body protocols, and supplementation for healing injury injuries. Soft tissue mostly, like tendon issues, elbow, ankle, knee, labral tears, and even great protocols for healing after surgeries, which she has two coming up, hip and back issues. Sending you love, Dawn, and healing energy ahead of those surgeries. Yes, absolutely. And I would actually say that, you know, like most of my work, the protocols that I would recommend are going to vary whether you are a male or a female. And I'm going to answer this because Dawn is a female. I'm going to answer this sort of from Mm -hmm. a female perspective. And when we think about, uh, so she's talking about a hip and back uh, issue. And then she's also mentioned tendon issues ankle, knee, labral tear. So when we, think of the, when we think of the ankle, the knee, there's a lot of different things going on in there. There's joints, there's discs, there's uh, tendons, there's ligaments. And um, unlike bone and muscle, uh, so a woman is going to have, if she's in her reproductive years, she's going to have these ebbs and flows of estrogen throughout her menstrual cycle. And estrogen improves So it's trophic, it's blastic. So just like the osteoblasts that we were talking about before, estrogen is anabolic. So it is going to promote growth in the bone and in the muscle. But in ligaments and tendons, it actually influences them differently. So with ligaments specifically, it makes them, uh, it decreases their stiffness. So it makes ligaments more lax, like more kind of loosey-goosey. And tendons estrogen, when estrogen surges, we also see tendons uh, change their consistency as well. So tendons become more stiff. And specifically with the ligamentous laxity that we see um, with a woman under, when she has the the highest levels of uh, estrogen in her cycle, which are right before ovulation and sort of in that ovulatory time. So we've talked about this. I actually have a geeky magic coming out soon on like menstrual cycle 101. So if you've, if you've never, you know, if you don't know how your menstrual cycle works, we've done an AMA on it too, I think, but mm-hmm. I'm doing just yeah. a geeky magic. I think it's coming out in, in two weeks. So by the, when, this, when this podcast airs, it'll be next week's geeky magic. So estrogen peaks right before ovulation. So we get up to, you know, it's, it's highest level all month long 
uh, right before ovulation and then right around the time of ovulation. So at that time- And that's time, when it's, so- it's softer at that point? Yeah. That's when the, la- when the ligaments are softer. They're more lax. They're more kind of loosey-goosey. That is when we actually see, and we actually look at the data between men and women. Women have, if we're talking about knees, for example, a way higher rate of ACL tears than men do. Um, way higher rates of ligamentous injuries versus uh, musculoskeletal uh, when they're in the reproductive years. And when she reaches menopause, then we actually, the, the, the playing field tends to level out again. So then we see, we don't see her ligamentous issues as um, uh, the, the frequency of incidence is, is lower. It actually approximates that of men. And we actually start to see her having more musculotendin, musculotendinous injuries. So high estrogen levels can decrease your uh, power, uh, your power output. So if we think about explosive movements like, um, uh, like a jumping squat or a jumping lunge or sprinting, okay, these are explosive movements that probably should be avoided around the time of your ovulation. And in particular, if she is doing rehabilitation for the knee, um, she should be avoiding some of these like explosive movements around that time. And I, you know, I've talked about like changing your training through your cycle. Um, I think it was last, when, when did we last talk? I got it. I'll put it in the show notes. I can't remember yeah. when we, when we last talked about it, but your training should, should modulate with the ebbs and flows of your cycle. And so should your rehabilitation protocols. So, um, uh, but I will, uh, let me actually just say this as well. So for the tendon around the time of ovulation, it actually gets stiffer, right? So we have, mo- we have that estrogen getting high, so the tendon gets stiffer. So this is actually a great time to lift heavy weights. And I've talked about this before uh, in the context of profiting off of testosterone. So testosterone mm-hmm. peaks right before ovulation, lift the heavy weights. But it's also true that the tendons now are stiffer and it is a perfect time to lift um, heavy weights. Because what happens is when you have a muscle that's contracting, it is going to transfer the force over to the tendon. The tendon needs to be stiff. And then if the tendon has the right amount of stiffness, it's going to be able to transfer that force onto the bone to be able to move the bone. Um, if you are, if the tendon is uh, too stiff, like over, overly stiff, or if it's not stiff enough, then as the muscle is contracting, like as it's getting shorter, it's not going to be able to um, uh, transfer the force over to the tendon. So the muscle is actually going to have to eccentrically contract while it's contracting. Um, so we know that eccentric contraction actually contributes to the most type of mu- like the most type of muscular injuries, like more than concentric, more than isometric. Uh, movements. So we really want to, it's like, we want like the Goldilocks <laughs> of tendon stiffness. It's like, we don't want it too loose. We don't want it too tight. We want it just right. Um, so you're blowing would- my mind right now because I have a daily yoga practice and there are certain weeks where I'm like, wow, I'm so much more flexible and pliable. And there's other times where I'm much stiffer. And now I'm relating that to my cycle and you are just yeah, we are not little men. And it's like, this wow. is where I, and I, I'm the same way when I'm doing my yoga, you know, right around ovulation. I'm like, gosh, I could get my foot behind my head today if I really wanted. And it's like, and then the next day, you know, I've like, you know, ripped my femur out of the acetabular. 
uh, sock. I mean, that's never happened, but um, you know, it, you just, you just have to be really careful. You have to be really careful about it. So um, it, when it, the, the other thing I wanted to say to Don is not sure what the spine and hip surgery is about. Um, I would always just, and I say this with love, just make sure that the surgery is literally the last option. Like it, you have exhausted mm-hmm. everything else before you have someone cut into you. Um, so things like chiropractic, osteopathy, uh, massage therapy, physiotherapy, you are, you, and when I say exhausted, I mean like you don't try them for a week and they didn't work for you. Like you really have a go at it three to six months. Um, I would just say that because there's, you know, you have to, you have to not only recover from the surgery, mm-hmm. uh, from the injury that is, that the, you know, the surgery necessitates, but you also have to re- recover from the surgery. Right. So when we're thinking about healing post-surgery, it's like reducing the inflammation. You have to rebuild the gut microbiome from the anesthesia uh, that was used. And then of course, with your physical rehab, uh, which we've been talking a little bit with the tendons and the um, ligaments, you have to restore functional range of motion uh, and proprioceptive training. And very likely, if she's talking about spinal surgery, she's talking about the low back. There's been some, like I, uh, you know, there's been some. I've had some uh, cervical. I've had some uh, patients who were coming to me for rehab after uh, neck surgery, but for the most part. Um, it is, uh, uh, it's, it's low back. And the problem with that, of course, is that the low back and actually the neck as well, largest proprioceptive inputs to the brain. Um, so the proprioception is basically your, your brain's ability to tell you where you are without, without looking. So if I said to you now, Steph, close your eyes um, and make a 90 degree angle with your elbow, mm-hmm. you could do it because... Mm-hmm. Your the proprioceptive input from your joints, uh, from your discs, from the ligaments, something called the Golgi tendon organ. These are going to relay proprioceptive input to the brain. So if you're like cutting those uh, for whatever reason, if it's a laminectomy or discectomy, like I'm not sure, fusion surgery. There's so many different types of surgeries, but um, if you are disrupting that, then your um, the incidence of you re-injuring yourself is going to be much higher. So we really want to be thinking about a proprioceptive retraining. Um, in the low back, uh, the muscle group that I'm referring to is the multifidi group. So it's part of the deep, um, it's part of the deep back muscles. But basically, if you were to and I'll just get a little super geeky here for a minute. But if you were to actually, cro- if you were to actually cut the the multifidus muscle and sort of look at the cross section of the fibers, these guys biggest like second largest proprioceptive input to the brain. But also they are designed to increase the load capacity as you flex forward. So in the morning, if you're like brushing your hair, putting on your makeup, brushing you know brushing your teeth, whatever. Or even you know during the day you put the dish in the dishwasher. You're leaning over the sink. Your when you are in that mild flexion, the more flexion you have, the multifidus muscle is actually creating more and more stability to protect the back. So if you are if you cut through that um, and you don't rehab uh, the multifidus, then you are going to run into lots of problems. Um, so very, very important to either find a chiropractor, osteopath, or, you know, you know, whatever works for you that is going to improve the segmental 
motion. So whatever segmental motion you've lost, maybe the surrounding areas, but then also to reinforce it with a rehabilitation protocol. So that is going to improve the, um, the proprioceptive input. It's going to be able for you to um, with, when we're talking about the multifidus specifically, we want to be able to bilaterally contract. So contracting on both sides of the spine, unilaterally contract on either side of the spine as well. Um, and being able to, um, reinforce that with the, um, I would also do like a lot of pelvic floor stuff. So I hope that helps you, Don. And, uh, of course you can go to the Facebook, um, better group if I, if I've missed something and you have a follow-on question as well. So our next question says, hi, Dr. Stephanie, I was prompted to write this from your AMA number seven post, the post in the, in the Facebook group, but did not want to write it in the public post, um, as it's kind of personal and very specific. And I'm just going to take a moment to, I really, I want the juicy question. So if you're not able to post it in the Facebook group, you can always email support at drstephanieestima.com and send your questions there, or you can find either of us on social and send it. Mm -hmm. We want those juicy questions. So thank you for sending this one in. Um, I am a 50-year-old woman who has been using an IUD for birth control over the past 12 years. I'm on my third IUD, Mirena. I have not had my period during this whole time, so I've lost track of my cycle and I'm not even sure I have any signs of perimenopause, menopause. I'm now learning more about hormones and nutrition, thanks to your awesome podcast. And so I'm wondering what you think about IUDs and if at this point in my life, I should remove it. Do IUDs mess with the estrogen progesterone levels during perimenopause or maybe help? I could probably ask my guy now, but I know that I will get more thorough answer from you. Oh, that's so sweet. Mm. P.S. The only time I get hot flashes or what I think are hot flashes is when I have carbs, sugar in the evening. Yeah, this is a really, I'm so glad that she had the courage to write this in and very happy mm. to answer it for you with the caveat that you do need to discuss this with your, with your OBGYN. You do need right. to discuss this with your primary, but what I can do is I can give you information and I am a big proponent of informed consent. Like this is the thing that I find myself rallying around. And I was talking to Dr. Uh, my friend, Sean Tassone, he's a OBGYN. He was mm-hmm. just on the podcast as well. Mm-hmm. And we were, we just went on this tangent around, um, this method of fertilization, uh, uh, for, uh, sterilization, not fertilization, uh, sterilization uh, called Eshore. And, um, you know, I just did like a Google search because I didn't actually know what it was. And when I found all of the complications, I'm like, how in the bloody hell has anybody mm-hmm. agreed? But it's because women are not being told. So what right. I wanted to, the way I wanted to maybe structure this answer, which I think will answer her questions, but also just hopefully inspire any woman who's considering any exogenous medication, procedure, device to just be your own health advocate. Like you are the CEO of your own health. The, you know, whoever you're speaking to, whether it's your gynecologist or your medical doctor or, you know, whoever, mm-hmm. um, it is also like the stuff is not going in them. It's going in you. So you have to make sure that you are okay with all of the downside as well as the upside, because what we tend to do um, as as women, I find this is very true. With we tend to divorce ourselves from the risks as we attach ourselves to the promise, right? It's like, well, I can I can take the pill, and I can you know whatever the reason is, like I I can have all the sex, I can have boatloads of sex, and not worry about getting pregnant. And that that may be true, but it also comes with. Um, 
an insert. <laughs> There's an insert mm -hmm. warning. So I just want you to be aware of the insert. And if you're okay with that, then I am here with my cheerleading pom-poms, you know, applauding you for your decision as long as it's made from a place of informed consent. So with that said, with IUD specifically, there's two types. We have a hormonal IUD and a non-hormonal IUD. The one that she's talking about, Morena, is a hormonal uh, contraception, so uh, contraceptive method. So this is uh, a synthetic form, form of progesterone. So it's not, actually, it's not real progesterone. It's something called progestin. And it is the highest, it has the highest amount of progestin uh, release. I think the FDA has approved it for five years of use. And 52 milligrams of progestin uh, releases about 20 uh, micrograms a day. The non-hormonal uh, equivalent would be the copper IUD. So this is, and this is where you have to work with your OBGYN because some, some people do like really well with copper and IUDs, like they're fantastic. And for other people, it's like a disaster. So you really do have to figure out uh, which one is best for you based on like your nutrients, like zinc plays an important role, your hormonal status, age, all these kinds of things. Now, I don't know why she was put on the pill. She didn't mention that in the question, but I do. So if it was for contraception, which is what the pill or sorry, what right. the, what the hormonal uh, contraception is, in, with, is designed for, um, I would maybe explore, you know, being 50 years old, if there could be alternative methods. So mm -hmm. could she do fertility awareness? Could she use condoms? Um, could there be, um, uh, uh, could she use the copper IUD? Would that be like an, you know, an option for her? Because when we think about some of the risks, um, there, I mean, and this is again, like, I'm going to tell you the facts, you make the decision, yeah. right? So mm -hmm. one, of the, one of the biggest problems that we see, number one, just with the progestin, like the artificial progesterone, is that it uh, decreases the cortical thickness of the brain. So again, we've been talking about like promoting healthy brain aging. Mm -hmm. um, we want the brain, this is the organ you want big, thick, juicy. We don't want to decrease cortical thickness. It what we see with progestin is that there is an increased risk of depression and there's increase in something called reward-seeking behavior, meaning that she's more likely to seek out uh, or more likely to become addicted to other things. So like a binge drinking or risky behavior. Uh, so, uh, there's also uh, with progestin um, three times higher the risk of suicide in women on progestin than those who've never been on it. So these are not, uh, you know, just like lackadaisical side effects, like, oh, it's just going to hurt a little bit when it goes in. These are like real neurological changes in the brain. So I want her to just understand that. A couple other things. So when the IUD is being inserted, there is a risk that you can perforate the uterus, meaning that you can tear the uterine lining as it's going in. So this is going to lead you to, like, there can be all sorts of complications, not only infection, but ble internal bleeding. Um, so you want to be concerned about that. 
your uterus can also completely reject it and like it can expel, it can expel the IUD. So no if you've thanks, ever- like, No thanks. It's like, get this shit out of here. Yeah, it's only that. So if you've ever had a child, you know what labor, like that, you know, that yeah. labor, those contractions of the uterus, uh, you can, you can, those can be replicated either around the time of uh, your period or throughout the cycle. Um, and then the increase of breast cancer um, is the other concern that I would be um, just bringing up. So when we look at, um, uh, there is, I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes, but New England Journal of Medicine uh, looked at almost 2 million women aged 15 to 49 years old, uh, hormonal contraceptives, so the pill, uh, Mirena, um, found that they were at an increased risk of breast cancer and that risk was around 20%. So again, statistically significant. Um, so this is why I would say so if she was if she went on the pill uh, or went on the um, mm-hmm. the IUD for the purposes of contraception, can we think about using the daisy? Can we think about fertility awareness methods or condoms or just abstaining from penetration around the time where she's fertile? And if she went on it because of maybe acne or really heavy periods uh, or some other off-label use of it. Can we work with her nutrition, with her movement, with her lifestyle, with her, you know, maybe looking at her environment to see where there may be toxins that are causing the abnormal menstrual cycle? Because we know that your menstrual cycle is basically your report card. It's how you're doing. It's like your hormonal report card every month. So if you are having really heavy bleeding, uh, like just crazy acne, you have PMS, like you, like one minute you're crying, one minute you're like taking a knife and you're running after your husband, you know, like if you, if you have this crazy PMS, then maybe we want to be looking at some natural solutions that will help, um, that will help mitigate some of these symptoms and bring you into a more harmonious state with your hormonal milieu. Right. That's the interesting thing since she's been on it so long and has had a couple cycles and being at 50, she just doesn't have that information of where am I in my season of life? Am I in menopause? Am I not? So you would never know. And I think she asked, does it affect my estrogen and progesterone levels? And the answer is yes. Like she has, you know, she has a medicated, like she has a, she's not having a real bleed, right? This is not a bleed. Like her brain and her reproductive organs are not talking to each other right now because she has this exogenous um, medication that is replicating like her, you know, it's tricking her body essentially into thinking that she's pregnant. She squeaked this in at the end, but she mentions that she only gets hot flashes when she has sugar in the evening. Mm. Do you think though it's, it's related, right? That's, well, this is very, very much related to her age, uh, what we know about. And it, of course, it can be also related to, um, uh, to the hormonal IUD. But women around 50, so she's like perimenopause, maybe depends on when her mom uh, ceased menstruation, but somewhere between 50 and 54, most women uh, are in menopause. We also know that that age, we become more... Uh, insulin resistant as we age. So sugar, which of course is converted into glucose, which of course initiates an insulin release from the pancreatic islet cells, from the beta cells in the pancreas, um, you are going to have more dysregulated insulin uh, the older that you are. So it's actually more appropriate for women in late menopause, or late perimenopause, excuse me, uh, and into menopause to actually reduce your carbohydrate intake 
because you are, you have a tendency to have more IR, to, uh, more insulin uh, resistance. So it could be related to her age. Um, if she's not already, I would highly recommend that she join the Estima diet because we deal with, um, at least in the first 28 days, and then we sort of cycle afterwards um, up protein, like we cycle up proteins and stuff in the, in the period cycling. But that first 28 days, you can actually repeat as long as you want um, mm-hmm. to be able to bring, to keep your carbohydrate levels quite low. Right. Okay. Question from Erin. She would love to have your advice regarding diet. You're going to have to help me with this. Diastasis recti. Diastasis recti healing postpartum, especially if it's been a few years since my last baby was born. I'm so tired of having a weak core and looking like I'm still expecting. Also, does diet play a role in healing? Uh, say it again. Diastasis. Diastasis. <laughs> because I wonder if bloating is possibly making the problem worse and if trying out keto could help with that. So first I just want to say, I almost never, whenever I'm coming up with a new word, I will like, when I come up to a new word, I'm like, oh my God, in my head, I always put the tone, like the accent on the wrong part of the word. (laughs) So uh, I'm trying to think of a, I'm trying to think of a word. I used to avoid, there was a word, oh, it escapes me now. Damn it. I'll try to remember it uh, if it comes to me before the end of our conversation. But there always used to be a word where I would avoid saying it. Like I would say the definition (laughs) of the process. Like if you've only ever read that word and then suddenly one day you use it out loud and people are like, like, what? (laughs) Like what? Yeah. Um, Oh God, it's annoying. It's so funny. I'm trying to think of the word. But um, anyway, so I just wanted to say kudos to you because I do the same thing. I'm like, I don't want to say this word out loud. It sounds too (laughs) fancy. Um, Okay. So for for, uh, DRA or diastasis recti, um, we want to be really, we actually want to do something. We want to work the core in a, a different way than we, than we traditionally do. So we want to actually avoid things like crunches, sit-ups, planks. Those can actually aggravate diastasis recti more than, because what you're doing is that those actually increase the, um, uh, abdominal pressure, like the intra-abdominal pressure, and it can actually right. force the organs out even more. So, um, it can actually make the muscle separation worse. So what I will always, and we did this a lot with my postpartum uh, women who were, who had, we either were experiencing this or we just wanted to start re-engaging the core after they had given birth when we were doing this in the clinic, uh, is something called bracing and hollowing. And we're actually not working on the rectus abdomini. We're actually working deeper than that. We're working at the in the deep level of the core. Mm-hmm. So... When we think of the core, we have rectus abdomini. That's like the washboard abs that you see, the external and internal obliques. And then underneath those two is something called the transverse abdominis or TVA for short. And that's basically like our corset. That's the thing that actually keeps everything nice and tight. And of course, external and internal obliques, of course, the rectus abdominis have functions. But when we have just given birth, it's the TVA that we want to be thinking about first as we heal. We want to heal from the inside out, not the outside in. And does this happen to every woman that gives birth? Is it some women? How do we know How do we know that it's happened? Um, uh, it yeah, so you can... This is a good question. So it doesn't happen to everyone. Uh, there's actually a test that you can do. So it's basically, uh, you can, and we can measure the severity of the diastasis recti by how many fingers you can actually get in between the linea alba. Uh, so the, basically you have the rectus muscles and then they're like 
um, connected via the these uh, this uh, linea alba. It's actually uh, in women. If you were, if you this happened to me because I'm darker, but towards the ends of my pregnancy, I had this big dark line. Yes, my tummy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just the. Um, uh, that's on top. That's on top of where the linea alba is. So you can put one finger uh, or two fingers or even three fingers, like however many fingers you can sort of fit in. Well, uh, in between that, um, the the two um, rectus abdomini muscles are going to tell you the severity of it. You can sometimes I've I've had uh, like three, almost three and a half fingers in there. So that's how you tell. Not every woman has it, but you can if you are contracting your muscles. Uh, you can you can sort of see that there's a bit of a sag in there, like there's a little bit of a um, like you can't fully contract. So you'll be you'll you'll know. Like she was saying in her question, it looks like I'm still expecting, right? And, you know that that's sort of what it looks like. That there's this sort of like pooch that um, that remains. And what I like women to do when we're there's two things. One is working on the pelvic, uh, like the pelvic floor. But the set the first thing I want to talk about is something called bracing and hollowing. So bracing is like, if I were to say, okay, major, I'm going to punch you in this. I would never do this, but like, you know, oh like, God, like, no. like <laughs> so if I say, okay, I'm going to punch you, what would you do? You'd brace, right? You'd sort of yeah. flex in this isometric, like you'd protect your, your, uh, your organs, right? You'd, you'd mm-hmm. brace for the, yeah, for the punch. Mm-hmm. So you are basically going to hold your abs tight. So not necessarily sucking in, but you're holding it in an isometric. And I would hold that for like 10 seconds and I would repeat that five, six, seven, eight times. Like, and this is actually a really easy thing to do for if you're someone who works at a computer, you can actually do this rehab all day long. Cause you can, you know, do, let's say, let's say you do 10 sets of 10 seconds and then you take a break and then next hour you do the same thing, 10 sets of 10 seconds. And so you're bracing all through the day and you can start to slowly rewire the, uh, the, integ- the neural integrity and the muscular integrity there. The second thing is hollowing. So the bracing is like you imagine that someone's going to punch you. The hollowing is like the sucking in, like you're basically sucking in and compressing the abdomen. So you want to imagine like bringing your belly button. If you could bring your belly button right on top of your spine, like you're trying to pull everything in. And the same thing, like that isometric hold where you're holding for 10 seconds and then releasing. Um, so I really, really like that. Uh, the pelvic floor, uh, we talked a bit about uh, Kegels and actually how to do them the right way with our discussion with Kim Anami, but doing Kegels with uh, a jade egg is really great. Uh, and once you um, establish uh, being able to do it with a jade egg, you can start to add weights to the jade egg. I mean, Kim Anami is, you know, going around the world, like holding Oscars and holding, you know, <laughs> Murano chandeliers. I held an her. Oscar. They're very heavy. Whenever <laughs> I found that out, I was like very impressed that she could she lift She can one. lift 10 pounds with her vagina. <laughs> that is so much. <laughs> when I look at my weight, like, you know, when, I, when I'm working out, I'm like, this girl can lift 10 pounds with her vagina. I mean, so um, I would listen to that, but Kegels are also really great. So you want to be putting a jade egg uh, or you want to be putting something in the vagina so that you're actually getting sensory feedback um, and holding it, same kind of thing, holding for 10 seconds, releasing, holding for 10 seconds and releasing. In terms of nutrition, um, always um, you know, collagen for helping the, um, for helping the, the tissue repair. 
Um, I would also say good quality proteins and omega-3s are kind of like one, two, three, like collagen, good protein, and like a high dose of omega-3s. So at least two grams a day of a good quality omega-3. Um, when we think about healing, you have to be very patient and loving with yourself. So collagen or like the, the speed of connective tissue healing is very different than muscle. So muscle typically heals quickly. It's the connective tissue mm-hmm. that really lags. So as you're trying to come back to yourself, just give yourself a really long runway for your body to heal because connective tissue is slow. And what determines the healing, like how fast something's going to heal is your cardiovascular system. So what your circulation is like. So being able to get the blood into the connective tissue from the, from the get-go. And then age also plays a, a factor in there as well. So super patient, super loving, get on the omega-3s, good quality proteins, collagen. Um, I would also recommend zinc because zinc really helps with like cell division and proliferation. Um, yeah, I think that that's, that's where I would, I would definitely start. I would also be high, like highly, highly, highly recommend working with a chiropractor who's trained in pre and postnatal care, uh, or a physiotherapist, like a pelvic floor physiotherapist who can also, who's also trained, um, in that as well. I'm sure that there's other distinctions, but those are the two, um, I used to always refer, uh, to, um, uh, pelvic floor physios for this as well with, with uh, patients in the clinic. She does say um, she wonders if bloating is possibly making it worse and if uh, trying keto would help with that. I want, Would the bloating then just like exacerbate it kind of? It would always just keep it yeah. separated? Yeah. So if she has like any gut dysbiosis or hyperpermeability right. of the gut, if she has food intolerances that are causing like distension and gassiness and bloating afterwards, I don't know that it's necessarily making the DRA worse, but it is going to Im- increase your discomfort. So I would definitely definitely be trying, thinking about doing a ketogenic diet. Um, I would do, I would, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, stating my bias, very biased towards the type of keto that I recommend for women, mm. which is high in plants, lots of phytonutrients, um, lots of sulforaphanes, lots of things that are going to get your digestive, you know, your digestion, your detoxification, all those things kind of upregulated. Um, so yes, I would say that I would definitely be on a, um, ketogenic diet for that. All right. Our next question is from Tracy. She's 44. She's still having her regular menstrual cycle. She's been doing keto clean for one and a half years, lost lots of weight at first, but have definitely stalled and is actually um, seeing the scale go up lately. She's at 60 kilograms, which I know is a healthy weight, but she was at 55 before and it felt very good at that weight. I'm starting the hormone cycle on the Estima diet now, and I've been at a four or five on the keto breath monitor for a couple of weeks now and working out too. So why is the scale not reflecting this? Okay. So a couple things. Um, first, I want to just, before we dive into what some of the problems are, mm-hmm. I also just want to state the obvious that it is the body composition of the person that is more important than the weight. So she may very well have, she may very well be adding on uh, extra weight, which we'll address in a minute. But mm-hmm. I just want you to consider for a moment that if you lost, let's say five pounds of weight, and we're, we're talking about all kinds of weight, okay? Um, versus, I mean, and that could be 
uh, fat, it could be uh, water weight, it could be muscle weight. Um, so when you are getting on a scale and you're, you're weighing yourself, uh, what we're not taking into account is the amount of like what is only considered fat loss. So if you were to lose five pounds of weight versus, uh, you know, if you were to weigh yourself and you've lost, let's say, let's say, well, let, let me just back it up a bit. And let's say you lost five pounds of fat. So adipose mm-hmm. tissue, but in her working out, she's actually put on, you know, three pounds or four pounds of muscle. Well, if she weighs herself, she's going to see a, a net loss of one or two pounds, which right. can be super frustrating, but her body composition is incredibly different now. So we always just want to be thinking about fat loss versus weight loss. I know that, um, and I'm at fault at this too, I will say weight loss when I'm, what I'm really referring, referring to is adipose tissue loss or fat loss. But it is your body composition that matters more than your weight. So we want to be thinking about your waist to hip ratio. We want to be thinking about your measurements. And if you're able to, um, to be able to approximate the amount of um, fat that you have. So you can do that through caliper uh, testing. Some scales even have um, like, a, I don't, it's like an electric maybe pulse or something that's able to evaluate like lean muscle mass versus adipose tissue. So I just wanted to say that because she may actually be doing everything right, but putting on muscle, which actually makes her far more metabolically healthy than someone who has lost five pounds of everything weight, right? Right. So let's just assume for the moment that this question is that she's actually putting on, uh, she's put on five kilos of adipose tissue or five pounds of unwanted weight. Mm -hmm. The first thing we want to do is we want to just get back to some foundational fundamental basics. Sleep. Number one, always and forever is going to be her sleep, her circadian biology. So is she sleeping eight and a half to nine hours a night? What we know about sleep, again, men, not little women, we have a longer sleep cycle than men do, meaning that we actually will complete uh, our sleep about 15 to 30 minutes uh, later than our male counterparts. So we'll talk about this maybe on a different podcast, but this is part of the reason why Giovanni and I, we have had a little sleep divorce. So we, have, <laughs> so we don't actually get a divorce. Uh, we, you know, we cuddle, we kiss in the evening, we you know, snuggle, mm-hmm. do our thing. And then, and then we actually go and sleep in separate beds because um, I actually move around a lot at night. I'm like a gymnast overnight. And he wakes up earlier than me. And when he wakes up earlier than me, it would disturb me. Like I would hear him and then I would wake up. So maybe we'll talk about that another time. But sleep, super important. If you are getting eight and a half to nine hours of sleep, it means you are in bed for at least nine and a half hours, right? You have to be in bed longer than your sleep. You don't hit, I mean, some people will hit the pillow and they're right out. But for most of us, it takes us five or 10 minutes on the front end, five or 10 minutes, you know, uh, on the back end to get out of bed. So that's the first thing. We want to make sure that her room is nice and cold, that it's dark in her room in the evening. Um, The second thing after we have regulated her sleep is looking at her calories. So when we look at the ketogenic diet, we... I am a really big proponent of all the benefits that it imparts to the brain, to our metabolism. When the focus is adipose tissue loss, when it's fat, we also want to be controlling our calories. So 
sometimes what happens, and I'm guilty of this too, is you Mm -hmm. sort of estimate the portion. You're like, oh yeah, that's about four ounces of, that's about four ounces. And then what you actually are eating is like six or seven ounces. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You stop using the abs. You stop measuring things. You just sort of get used to it and then you don't see it increasing over time. Right. So that little caloric tiptoe was maybe what can add to, and that's, I was actually, I texted you the other day. I'm like, I got got myself a new scale. Like I'm now I'm like starting to re measure everything. Cause I have mm-hmm. also, you know, I'm a human. I'm just like, I'll just look at something. I'm like, that's about three ounces. Oh, that's about four ounces. And it's like, I actually have no clue. So I'm probably, I was probably overestimating the amount of calories I was taking in. So recommit to either an app, get a food scale. Like mine is from Amazon. It's like, I don't know, nine bucks or something, 10 bucks. It's mm-hmm. like super cheap. Um, so I would do that recommit to it because it's probably that she's over, she's taking in her calories. Um, and then the other uh, sort of secondary or potentially tertiary thing I would look at is sources of inflammation, right? So when we are inflamed, we are kind of bigger and puffier. So is it that there may be some toxins that she's being exposed to? Is her makeup overdue for an overhaul? Is, is she using uh, Tupperware that's plastic? Um, is she, and, and plastic actually is very sneaky. Like if you, you can go to Starbucks or any coffee shop and get like a recyclable mug, like not a recycle, like the, the cup is like made of recycled materials, but what's the cap made out of? Right. Plastic. And we have this hot coffee heating up the plastic. And where do you sip from? You sip through that damn plastic lid. So little tricky little sources like that where uh, she may be being exposed to some of the endocrine disruptors that plastics uh, are known to do. Uh, Maybe there's mold in the home, like I said, toxin exposure. Uh, So I would definitely be cleaning up her makeup drawer, uh, cleaning up her kitchen. uh, So like the way that she stores her foods, like I I have recently invested in uh, more glass containers, so all glass. And um, I would also just, you know, love the process. Like there's something to be said around, and and maybe this is just like the clinician in me, but I love solving a problem. Like, hmm, what variable can I manipulate to make, to get the best result? Like there's something going on where she's gaining the weight. Um, Maybe it's body composition, like we said, which is actually the good thing. Like maybe she actually has more lean muscle mass. Maybe she's over uh, taking in more uh, calories than she actually thinks. Her circadian biology parameters may be off. Um, So there's lots of little things that she has there to work with. So Tracy, I would uh, encourage you to kind of explore some of those things and then maybe we can report back on them. Yeah, she does say that she's going to be starting the the hormone cycle portion of of the um, Estima diet. So I would love to hear hear how that goes with Tracy. We did it again. We did another one. <laughs> I can't wait for the next one. We are going to talk engagement. We're going to talk healthy love. We're going to talk commitment. Sleep divorce. <laughs> Sleep divorce. <laughs> Our dirty little secret revealed. Yes. Um, so I much also, more. Mm-hmm. I also Go. just want to say, yeah, if you will have a question that you want uh, us to answer, and mm-hmm. I, I love it when there's questions on relationships on girlfriends and all on like the, the divine feminine, the divine masculine, like those things are becoming huge focuses of interest for me. And of course I'm like, I love to geek out on what we all, what we just geeked out on now. So posture and, you know, proprioception and exogenous ketones and all that. So 
Uh, you can go to your spiritual coming out. (laughs) You're like, I'm not now only known for the, (laughs) I am a true Betty. I am the triple threat. (laughs) I am embodying what it means to be a Betty. Um, so you can go to our Facebook group. That's where we actually get all our questions from. So if you're in the Facebook group, it's free to join a really great uh, group of uh, folks in there. So if you want to join, just look up the better community and that's where we are you are someone who is still listening to this podcast, you are one of my hardcore Bettys and I love you for it. So wanted to tell you about two things. Uh, if you are excited about fertility and want to learn how to have lots more juicy sex in making all those babies, you can head over to our show notes. We interviewed at the beginning of the month, Kim Anami, and she is opening up her well-fucked woman that's the name of it, Salon. Uh, And it is starting in August. And we have a link for you to sign up there. And it is, I am actually going to be doing it. So if you want to do it together, that might be super fun. And the other thing I wanted to just mention as well is we have a really great uh, Facebook community for better. And if you wanted to participate in any of our Ask Me Anything episodes, that is actually where we take all of our questions from. So if you are interested in joining. It's free. No, you know, nothing in there other than all the good stuff, some of the clips and the audio clips and a great discussion that happens uh, between some of the fans of the show. So that's it for me for this week. I hope that you have a wonderful one and we will see you this Thursday for Geeky Magic Thursday. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For those of you who want to continue on this week's Geeky Magic Carpet Ride with me, visit bettershow.co forward slash show notes. You'll find research, links, summary notes, musings that I prepared in preparation for the podcast. And I often throw in some of my best practices, bonuses, and links. All the juicy bits are in there for you. And now for the obligatory legal and medical disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only. And the advice recommendations we discuss do not replace medicine, chiropractic, or any other primary healthcare provider's advice, treatment, or care. In the consumption of this podcast, there is no doctor-patient relationship formed, and the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. The information and opinions shared on this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for primary care, diagnosis, or treatment. This episode is brought to you by yours truly, Dr. Stephanie Sima and Leverage. Leverage handles all production, creates the images that you see on my social media, and takes out all my awkward pauses. They are my secret magic bullet. You can visit them at getleverage.com forward slash better.